Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Florida Prospect Report. I'm your co-host, Bailey, here with my co-host, Eric. And although Major League Baseball is in a lockout, we still have some baseball content for you. Back in November, Eric and I took part in a startup draft for a dynasty league run by me and Rick of Parslist. And in this episode, we're just going to recap the draft. It's a, it was a 60-round draft. And we're going to talk about our strategy and some of the other people's picks that caught our eye. So just as a brief uh, recap, uh, before the recap, uh, the league is a 20-team league. It uh, is a head-to-head league. It is uh, six-by-six scoring. So the categories are home runs, RBIs, runs scored, stolen bases, on-base percentage, slugging, strikeouts pitched, ERA, saves plus holds, quality appearances, strikeouts per nine, and whip. So that's the categories we were specifically drafting for. You get 24 major league players and 36 prospects. So yeah, let's just jump into it. Um, Eric, what was some of the strategy that was going through your head while you were making your picks? Well, uh, I guess I could say I'm, uh, with really every pick, I'm thinking forward, thinking like down the road, so uh, I wanted to establish a really small nucleus of major league guys that are all-star types and uh, dependable as far as playing time and opportunity. And then from there, you know, kind of start thinking about uh, or like, like weighing the future more as, as far as picks. Uh, I also had a relatively uh, late pick per round. I was 14 out of 20. You were uh, much more fortunate. So I knew that like uh, the, the pool per round for me was going to be skewed towards uh, a less talented uh, major leader, kind of like every time if I was going to go that route. So I just didn't, didn't want to do that. But my first pick was uh, Devers, someone who I think is going to uh, play a lot, be a, a run producer and, you know, really like a, a just about an everyday player and have uh, excellent counting stats as far as run producing and power as a corner. So I guess for, for round one, 14 out of 20, he was really the best I could hope for. So uh, he's not like one of my favorite players, but for, for this spot to get him, I, I really feel like I was kind of fortunate. Absolutely. And um, so, yeah, I also I had a I'd say like a loose strategy idea of how I wanted to approach this draft um, in the first 10 rounds. I picked only one prospect. Um, reason being is I wanted to build a young core of MLB ready players. So I was looking for players who can produce now and for the next at least five years. So although like, you know, a guy like Marcus Simeon, maybe I would like you know, he'd be good to have this year, but I think he's he's already hit his prime. So I was looking for guys like I drafted Brandon Lau, Willie Adamas. I feel like those are guys who are just reaching their prime or about to hit their prime. Uh, the one prospect I drafted in the first 10 rounds was Aaron Ashby. So he's already made the majors and he's going to likely play most of his season in the majors. So he's, you know, uh, got a very soon ETA. Um, and like I said, young guys, the, uh, the only, or the first player I drafted who was over the age of 28 was in round 32. 
So I was wow. drafting a lot of prospects. I was drafting a lot of young major league players. And that player, by the way, round 32, 639th overall, Yoshi Tsutsugo. I drafted him <laughs> about, a, about 24 hours after his extension was announced because I feel like Yoshi's got a clear shot at playing time. And, yeah, I think he looked really good at the end of the season with Pittsburgh. He's kind of – I guess it's kind of a sleeper pick, but I do like Yoshi. So, yeah, my, my goal overall, young guys and then um, – yeah, who can compete now? I, uh, you know, it's kind of weird when Tsutsugo is getting picked. It's kind of late. There's, it, I've never been in a draft like this, so it's weird that prospects and very recent draft picks are getting picked in like the same round or the same tiers as like a 630 at bat major leaguer. It's just, you know, it's just that's. That's very new to me. I have to say I kind of like it. Okay. And I'm looking back at the first round. So the round where all the stars go in, like, descending order. I really have to say I don't like pitching, picking pitchers early. Me neither. And, I, 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 you know, I, 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 no matter what, you know, all the other things you're saying about, like, keeping it under 28 or guys who have a better chance. I just don't like pitching, picking pitchers early overall. But the pick that stands out that really looks really smart is the second to the last, 19th yep. of 20, is uh, getting uh, Corbin Burns. So he wasn't the first pitcher taken. That was 11 with Cole. That's, a, that's way too early for me for, for anyone, even like prime Scherzer. But it just seems like the very end of the draft, or the, the, the round to get uh, Burns for like how the scoring system kind of favors him uh, just a, a little bit. That's a really smart pick to like, not to start a staff to like start a team, like a head to head weekly team. I definitely agree. I think it's great value to get Burns as the second overall pitcher off the board, considering I think he's the top dynasty pitching asset, you know, back yeah, in the first round. Um, I'm surprised Garrett Cole went 11th and also the team that took Burns, it was uh, Rick's team. He followed it up with Matt Olson, 22nd overall in the, in the second round. So that's a good one, two punch right there for sure. Right. It doesn't, even though you just revealed parts of your strategy, just looking at uh, pars for his first two picks, you can't like see his, uh, his entire strategies so who did you get in uh in the first round and the second round i guess review, review your picks so well right before i answer your question i just want to talk about who i didn't get because i had the second overall pick so right. uh the first overall pick was shohei otani which i think if i had the first pick i still would have gone with the guy i got second overall but i can't fault uh Shohei Otani going first. I think that's a very sensible pick. You know, if he stays healthy, he's the best player in baseball, you could argue. So, yeah, but I, I ended up taking Juan Soto. I think, you know, it's an on-base percentage league that we're in. Um, if he's healthy, he's amazing. So, uh, and he's really young. So, you know, the other players I consider there, of course, Tatis, Acuna, and Vlad, but uh, Tatis and Acuna, their injuries kind of scare me off a little bit. And I feel like 
I can find um, a first baseman. Obviously, not at the same level as Vlad, but I think I think Soto's on base percentage really makes him that much more of an elite asset. Absolutely. And yeah, my second round pick was Brandon Lau. He was the third second baseman off the board. Sorry, fourth if you're counting Trey Turner. Uh, behind Turner, Albies, and Jazz Chisholm, I think Brandon Lau is second or third overall for second baseman if we're doing a ranking. So I was happy to get him in the second round, 39th overall. I feel like 40 home runs from a second baseman is huge. I think he right. has the potential to get that every season if he can stay healthy. And because I think he's good enough, he's quieted the doubters about his ability to not hit lefties. I think he's done more than enough to show that he can be an everyday hitter. Another great pick in the first round, by the way. Uh, number 10, getting Wander Franco Yep. at 10th. So good that round. Pick, that pick almost bothered me a little bit just because if I had any pick after, like, fifth, I would have taken Wander Franco. He fell right, in tenth. Right. If I had sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth, I'm taking Franco over Turner, Ramirez, Bichette, and Tucker, who went six, seven, eight, nine. I, I, I agree with that sentiment 100%, and I would rather have had him than the ones who preceded him. So whoever the owner of Hudson Valley, smart pick and good value. You know, start off starting off the round with or starting off the draft with a good getting a good value and having it be Wander Franco. Yep. That you know, that's a great foundation. Yep. Uh, no surprise, by the way, because that's my boy Jake. He covers the Rays for Prospects 1500, huge Wander Franco fan. So very on brand for him to take him there. I think I remember him taking another Rays infielder yep. from me much later in the draft at yep. potentially a similar position. Uh, my second round pick, as much as I don't like pitchers, I kind of knew that I wasn't going to take one for a long time. And the one that I wanted the most other than Burns was still there. So I guess as much as I could actually panic in a draft setting, I panicked and I took my pitcher way earlier than I thought because I, I was quite sure that he wouldn't be there later. And I knew that the rest, you know, the, the next handful of picks was going to be offense. So I took uh, Urias, Julio Urias on the Dodgers. I'm not necessarily in love with his upside, but I like where he is right now. And uh, I think, you know, he's another guy with a lot of opportunities. Uh, he's going to start 30 times or at least pitch, you know, 30 important games so uh you know i don't know if i'm really like building a staff around him but i'm happy with his stats and with his uh with his potential so you know that's uh my my first two were uh urias and devers yeah i uh i remember when you made that pick and i, I told you i thought it was an interesting pick at the time uh, taking julio Urias 27th overall um, that's ahead of Jacob deGrom. That's ahead of yep. Shane Bieber, Sandy Alcantara, Freddie Peralta, Zach Wheeler, Trevor Rogers. So, uh, Shane McClanahan. So, you know, a lot of good young pitchers were taken after Urias. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, 
Julio returns a second round value. He definitely is capable. Um, so yeah, I think it was definitely an interesting pick. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to a pick in the fourth round that I did not make, but I was a huge fan of, although this team's in my division, so I'm not looking forward to having to uh, play against this player, but Jonathan India went 76th overall. Um, I, he was really high on my draft board when he was, right. He was top three between him, Willie Thomas and Pablo Lopez. I ended up getting the latter two. Uh, I would have been more bummed about missing out on India if um, if I didn't already have Brandon Lau at second base. But it's you know, I feel I was expecting India to possibly slip out of the top 100, you know, and I could maybe snag him in like uh, round six, 119th over 119th overall. That obviously did not come close to happening. But I think Jonathan India is going to have an even better season this year than he did in his rookie season. So. For the Round Rock Rain Dogs to take him 76th overall, I think that's a really nice pick. Right. I totally agree. They deserve – they get the same amount of credit from me. And I had the same thought process as you. But I was like, I can get him uh, the, the next round, you know, round five. Right. So before six, I was like, I'll take India there. So I was – I had convinced myself. That he was gonna that he was gonna be there, so I was a little bit like surprised when he got picked, and I was like, "Oh man, that's really smart." Oh, I really <laughs> wanted him, so yep. you know that's that's okay. That that is right. That is that is a uh, a very uh, a very good pick. Um, let's see, going back to the third round. Uh, you got another Ray, another high upside Ray. Yep. And I got another somewhat dependable major leaguer that I don't really like so super much. Uh, you give yours first and then I'll give mine. Yeah. I took Randy Rosarina, uh, in the, with the second pick of the third round. Uh, it was pretty much a no brainer for me. I felt, uh, just because, um, I wanted a guy who I felt like I definitely wanted a hitter and I want a guy who can get who I can count on for stolen bases. And I feel like Randy's a safe bet for at least 15. Um, I know the Rays don't love running on the base path, so I don't think it's a safe bet for 2025 every year. He had 20 in 2021. Um, I think based off of his speed and instincts, he's capable of over 30, but it's just a matter of how the Rays use him. But overall, you know, I got, I could pair. I like the idea of of pairing a Rosarena with Soto, you know, because I feel like Randy has a twenty twenty season in him for the next couple of years. I picked Teoscar Hernandez, another like somewhat dependable middle of the order or uh, run producing spot for uh, the Blue Jays. So. Uh, not a prospect, not a young guy, but this is where you start to see some, you know, this is the third round. This is, you know, we're in the 40s and 50s for overall picks and uh, two picks after you took Rosarena, Torque went. So like the pedigree prospects have already started going and, you know, now that we can, like, discuss strategies with a little less uh, discomfort because everything's already over, like, 
if we're looking at every single round, like this was where Charlotte took Torkelson and San Diego took Adley, but that was Charlotte's like first prospect and uh, San Diego had already taken to add with Adley, Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez. Right. The next round they took uh, Vaughn and then their, their only like major league player, Lux. And then they took Luciano. So their strategy right away was like, take every guy on the top prospects list from like 15 down to one as much as you can get. Yep. I got to say, I'm not really experienced in this type of draft, but looking back at their roster now, <laughs> they did an awesome job. You know, I don't know how competitive they're going to be this season, but it's obvious that's just not their priority. That's not how they're trying to compete. So, you know, we'll, we'll look at the, a couple different rounds and say our best picks, but really almost every pick they made stands out for, for that reason. Right. Yeah. They went really heavy on prospects. Um, and you're right. I don't know how competitive they are going to be in 2022 just because their team is so young, but I do think they drafted a strong enough core that in the near future, they will be uh, one of the top contenders in this league. That is uh, the San Diego Sacramices. I don't know how to pronounce that one, but uh, Brandon, said it right. is, yeah, Brandon is the manager of that team. And uh, I think the pick that stands out to me the most from his team, actually, well, one of, there's a lot of good picks. There's but a lot of good ones. One that's really interesting to me though is his 15th round pick, 300th overall. That's, that's what I'm looking at. Mackenzie Gore, which right. I feel like it's kind of interesting because he also drafted, you know, Max Meyer, Cade Cavalli, Emerson, Hancock. He drafted, you know, a lot of good pitching prospects. And then Gore is in there. I feel like uh, I don't think it's hyperbole to say Mackenzie Gore is currently the most polarizing pitching prospect in the sport. There was a time where he was close to unanimous as the top prospect in the sport or pitching prospect in the sport just ahead of Forrest Whitley. And obviously uh, he's lost some of that shine. Um, whether it was, you know, I feel like the full story still hasn't been published about what is it exactly caused Gore to lose some of that shine. But I know, you know, in like the Arizona fall league and just in like uh, the Arizona complex league, Gore just did not look like his old self. But he obviously has that, you know, elite top prospect pedigree that maybe it's worth it to take him in the 15th round. Um, some other names taken in that same round, Drew Rasmussen, Bailey Ober, um, Chris Paddock, so, and Patrick Corbin. So those are some other pitchers in the same round. So uh, I personally would not have taken Gore until a lot later just because I'm kind of scared about, right. you know, just – his body of work in general, but obviously if he's able to figure it out, I think it could turn out to be a really smart pick. So only, only time will tell on that one. Uh, he kind of covered his ass to the next couple rounds of picks after that. He took Simeon Woods Richardson, DL Hall, Daniel Espino. So the prospect ticker doesn't start for him. It doesn't stop for him, even in the, the mid teens. And yep. You know, I'm 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 with you on Gore. It's not time to give up on him. It's time to like maybe start asking questions on him. But right, there was a time when he was 
without question, the number one lefty prospect arm in the sport. So that's not that far off. And even if he isn't, you know, his next couple picks are, are really solid. You know, a, a, any round we look at, I'm going to be respecting the, the picks, even, even that one. So, right, yeah. there were pro pitchers went uh, around him or major league pitchers went uh, just before him and just after him. But, you know, it's, 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 it's getting, like you know, in the middle rounds, it's a little more apparent that he kind of had a plan or had some uh, profiles he was targeting and, uh, and, got, and got some. Um, I'm For looking sure. back, I'm, I'm scrolling through another couple rounds. In the ninth, a pitcher went that I really was kind of targeting uh for the, the majors not a prospect and uh i you know looking back it's i'm somewhat regretful i got kobe mayo in that round so it's not like i feel like i missed out or it was empty at all but uh the fifth pick in the round was reed detmers and he was somebody who like when i was doing my draft prep i was like i can get him in the between rounds between like six and 10 and he went in nine and uh not to me do you think that's uh may, maybe a shred too early um i mean i feel like maybe slightly early on detmers but i don't think it's a bad pick by any stretch i think it's a pretty solid pick compared to some of the other players taken in that same round um but I also think that the guy you ended up with, Kobe Mayo, I like him better than Detmers, so I think he still made out well. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's that high on Detmers. I personally would not have picked him that high. But I also, you know, I, that's more just because he's an Angels pitcher more than who he is. That I, you know, who was the last Angels pitcher that was developed by them who was, you know, elite? Was it Jared Weaver? Have they had a guy since? Was he, you know? So excellent question. Right. So, you know, their, their history is a little sketchy on developing pitchers, but um, Reed Detmers is obviously really good. So I don't, I think it's a pretty good pick. Also our friend Greg took a hot prospect, a, a top prospect in that yeah. round that I never would have really placed on his roster and I do think that Greg and I have seen him play together in person, uh, Jason Dominguez. So uh, Greg's team is Carolina. And uh, I don't know. I was surprised, but it's definitely not. It's a dynasty league. That's round seven. You know, we're in the we're after players 150 overall. So so I think yeah. that was a, a totally perfectly appropriate place to pick him. Yeah, talk about polarizing, you know, Jason Dominguez. Um, good point. Good point. Very good point. But I, I do really like that pick by Greg. Dominguez definitely would have been in consideration for my next pick, uh, which was 30 picks, almost over 30 picks later, actually. I, I took Luis Patino, 190 okay. overall. If Dominguez was still on the board, I definitely would have given him strong consideration. Um, you know, he went 167th overall, like I said, and I, I feel like, that could be a pick that returns really good value if Dominguez breaks out next year, like I think he's fully capable of. Um, and then furthermore, uh, a round that kind of stood out to me as well, round 17. So first off, I want to talk about who I picked, Trey Sweeney, 300 right. overall. I know right. Eric was not happy about that. 
Gotta um, say, it's a great pick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's one of, uh, you know, my favorite guys in this FY, uh, in this first year player draft class, um, along with, you know, Khalil, of course, Khalil Watson, Marcel Meyer, guys like that. But I'm really high on Trey Sweeney. And what kind of stood out to me were the next two players taken right after I took Sweeney, uh, Jeff McNeil and Jose Siri, two very different players, obviously. Um, so with McNeil, you know, that's like a 30-year-old guy who's uh, multi-eligible at second base and outfield, but has not had a successful season since 2019. I love Jeff McNeil. He was in my queue, um, but I was interested, uh, you know, about the fact that he went 324th overall. Uh, right, sorry, 323rd. And then the guy who went 324th, Jose Siri. That's a guy I've loved since 2018. Was kind of low on in 2019 just because he was, you know, struggling against higher level pitching. And then obviously in a super, super small sample size in 2021, he looked pretty good. Um, right. He was in my queue as well. I was not going to take him anywhere near as early as he went, but I'm intrigued by the fact that someone likes him enough to take him that early. Uh, Cause I do have two shares of Jose series. So dynasty shares. So uh, I thought that that was an interesting pick. I'm not saying it's a bad pick. I love Jose Siri, but you know, if we did this draft this time last year, uh, Jose Siri probably would not have even been drafted. And uh, I mean, you can make that case about a lot, a lot of players, but I think Siri, especially so kind of an interesting pick. And I think it could certainly pan out well if he ends up with, you know, 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases, and he's the everyday center fielder for Houston. So just, just another wait and see kind of pick. Taking a slightly deeper look at that round while it's open in front of me, I see a pick that I really, really like. 328. Johansky yep. Noel, Cleveland. They're a corner prospect. I, I talked to a player that pitched to him uh, – not last week, the week before last, going through like video and just talking about the the past season. Actually, we were we were talking about the draft, and I think it's the night that Noel got picked, and I mentioned him, and he was like, "Remember, I was playing the voice recordings for you." Yep. And he's yep. like, "He's so serious. He's such a good power hitter. He's so good for this age." So I started looking him up, and he's really very oh, young, yeah. and it's already like started putting putting together a very talented resume so now we're in the 320s that's an outstanding place to get somebody with so much potential that another pitcher is is telling me how good he is and then I see a pick that I really don't like because I just don't like the player and I wouldn't have taken him at all that's uh, a guy whose star is really dull Uh, 333 Royce Lewis to the Newark Bears. So I think like uh, one is an example of a great value and being like a little bit early on a guy. And one is an example of uh, no value and being uh, very late and picking a guy that doesn't need to be picked at all. Also, Sal Frelick got picked in that round. So. I mean, I'm, I'm biased. You know, I, I do like Royce Lewis just for personal reasons. I have like, you know, a bobblehead of him. I've seen him play a lot for, Fort Myers. So I'm kind of biased. I do like Royce Lewis. Um, you know, he looked really good when I saw him in person uh, almost four years ago at this point, but um, I will admit that I am lower on him today than I was a year ago or two years ago, or even three years ago. Um, oh, you have to be. Right. But um, 
I am not fully out on him by any means like you are. Um, you know, the, <laughs> I think the torn ACL scares me more than anything because I think the other concerns he had that are had about him are uh, are manageable and he can work on. Obviously, a torn ACL that's that's a long road to come back from. Um, I, you know, I, I would have considered him not at my 18th round pick but 19th round I would have definitely considered him so that's you know that's about 30 picks after he ended up going uh so I don't hate the pick but I would have, it was a little early in my opinion uh, but not I uh, yeah and um so two more picks that stand out to me in this kind of cluster of picks uh well first off one of my own that I just I have to shout out Ellie Dela Cruz um that's a great pick by you Thank you. One of my just favorite prospects in the game right now. Um, it, that's a it, it, that's a matter of when, not if pick for Bailey. Right? Oh yeah, that was right. that was predetermined ahead of time. I was taking Ellie, right. just a matter of when. And I saw him play twice for Daytona. I wish I saw him more, but there was I got rained out twice. Um, but just he has this presence on the field that I've never seen from any other player. Like it's hard to describe, but just like just his presence when he's playing defense at shortstop and when he's in the batter's box, he just, it's just otherworldly. I don't even know how to put it. You'd have to watch him play yourself. But um, first off, he made five incredible defensive plays in one game, which, I mean, I know that's an anecdotal thing and defense doesn't matter for fantasy, but just the athleticism he displayed at that game really stood out to me. And then as a hitter, he had a multi-hit game, and he was hitting the ball well over 100 miles per hour off the bat. So, and he's really fast. He stole a base. So, I don't know. I'm just really, really sold on Ellie Dela Cruz. I'd have him as a top 50 prospect right now, if not even higher. And I think he's going to be top 20, top 25 this time next year, if not. And you got and you got him at 359 overall. So right. So I didn't even have those to, numbers. You should definitely mention that one. Right. So I didn't even have to reach too high for him. I got him 18th right. round, 359th overall. You know, maybe a little earlier than the consensus, but if I waited a couple rounds more, he was someone else savvy was going to pick him. Um, and then speaking of a savvy pick, I think Chris Flexen in round 20 could turn out to be a smart pick uh, by Ridgefield Chipmunk Hunters. That is uh, the manager, Ed. And right. um, I, I was in on Flexen uh, in pretty much all of my leagues when he came over from um, when he was pitching in Asia. I uh, came back to Major League Baseball, you know, last this time last year, I picked him up in most of my leagues and stupidly, I did not hold him in any of those leagues. And then obviously, you know, in the sec second half of the season, he was really, really good. Um, I don't think by any means he has elite upside, uh, especially since he doesn't have good strikeout numbers. But I think he has a really high floor that makes him a sneaky good pick in yep. 20. So. I think that's, you know, if that's your like uh, third or fourth starting pitcher, I think you're, you're building a really good pitching staff. What stands out to me is just flexing is a good pick, especially like you said, in round 20, in that same round, Blaze Jordan, Leovar Pagaro, and Michael Bush all got picked in the same round as uh, flexing. Uh, the, the round where you took Dela Cruz, I took a guy who I think is going to be who I think is going to explode this year, and I really it was a little more than just mildly surprised that he was still there then 
Uh, that's Anthony Garcia. The Yankees like somewhat corners, somewhat outfield, just all all power uh, lefty. I just think every level he gets to this year, he's going to put up moderate on base and great uh, power type numbers. So his prospect ranking is is going to rise really really fast. I don't think he's going to be like the top ranked Yankee. Maybe that, you know, that's that's Sweeney who you took. But I think Garcia has a lot of uh, potential steam. So being Absolutely. being that I, I saw him a couple times, he's somebody that I really kind of made a priority. And I remember looking at him and thinking, should I pick him here? Or is he going to be there? You know, we're already late. Can I assume he's going to be there later? And I just wanted to kind of make sure, you know, kind of like, like I locked up Gunner and Kobe for like uh, Orioles prospects. He was just someone I, I expected to be ranked uh, higher a year from now. Yeah. I only saw him play once and uh, his team got no hit. So I don't have the best read on Anthony Garcia uh, just from a seeing it play in person, but uh, I've heard a lot about him from you and I know uh, he's a pretty exciting player. And um one pick I might not be the huge, the biggest fan of is actually a pick I made a couple rounds after uh, you know the rounds we were just talking about. In round 23, I took Brewster Gratterall 442nd overall. Mm-hmm. And looking at some of the names picked around him, I'm not sure if I'm loving the pick looking back. Um, when I took him, I was thinking, you know, he's still super young. He has closer upside, you know, uh, saves and holds is a category that we're keeping. So he could be huge for that. But I do wonder if I could have got him a couple rounds later. I, you know, I took him ahead of Blake Trinan, who will likely be a better asset, at least for this season. Um, though I think I did slightly redeem myself with my next pick. I took Jay Allen from the Reds. I even traded up uh, about six spots to make sure I got him uh, just because I was afraid I'd get sniped. But really high on Jay Allen. I'm really high on all these Reds prospects. Ellie Delacruz, Jay Allen, Allen Serta, uh, drafted all those guys. And I feel like, the Reds farm system is one of the most underrated in baseball. I agree um, with that. I feel because I feel like this time next year, Ellie De La Cruz, Jay Allen, Alan Serta, those can all be top 100 prospects. And speaking of which, Serta, I got him way later than the other three. I got Alan Serta in the 44th round, 870 overall. Right, that's um, so, but yeah, I really, I, I'm buying in on the Reds. I think they have a good farm system. I know I'm a little yep. biased because uh, I, you know, I see them play a lot, but uh, I don't know. I've always felt like the rate uh, the Reds farm system is kind of slept on uh, back when Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India were prospects. They did not get nearly the hype they deserved, And they both ended up with rookie of the year votes. India obviously winning rookie of the year. Um, but yeah. So if anyone out there is listening, I would recommend going for some Reds prospects in your dynasty leagues. I think they're a good buy right now. And um, one other thought I'll add on this is in the 26th round, uh, 510th overall, the Carolina Supernova managed by Nick picked Vaughn Grissom. That's a pick I also really like. And I was really frustrated when he made the pick uh, because I was talking with uh i was trying to trade up to get him because he was by far my favorite uh, target still out there and i missed him by about 
10 picks. Uh, I ended up taking Jose Suarez of the Angels, who I think will have a good season. Might be a smart pick, but much rather have Vaughn Grissom. I think Vaughn will be a really highly rated prospect in due time. And I think you can make the argument he's already a top 60, top 50 prospect. Uh, and he went over 100 picks after Ellie. So right. I really like that Vaughn Grissom pick by Nick. I had my full revenge pick in that in that round. Somebody picked Jordan uh, Balazovic or Balazovic at 506. My pick was 507. So I turned around and took Louis Varlin because I wanted uh, Balazovic more. So that was my immature behavior. Another pitcher I really wanted in that round that I didn't get because someone else did was Gavin Williams. Yep. So, you know, this to a degree was like a little bit more uh, prospects than major leaguers uh, this late. Tobias Myers went. I guess that's kind of a, a good pick for picking in the in the 500s. I love that pick. I love the Tobias Myers pick, especially now that he's on Cleveland. I think there's a much clearer uh, path to playing time. I don't think it's a perfect path because there's still a lot of good arms in that system. But I've, I've always really liked Myers. So that's a smart pick by Rick. And also in that great round, value. Um, one of my favorite picks, maybe in this whole draft, uh, the Newark Bears took Alex Cobb, 508th overall. This is the 26th round. When he was picked, he was a free agent. He had not signed with the team yet. I'm 99% sure that this was just a free agent, Alex Cobb. And then, of course, towards the end of the draft, it is announced that Alex Cobb is going to San Francisco. And all of a sudden, this is like looking back, like, wow, that's really good value if Cobb can have the resurgence that Kevin Gosman, Alex Wood, some of those other guys that are reclamation projects from San Francisco. You know, if Alex Cobb signed with the Giants before the draft, I think it's a very safe bet to say that he would not have lasted to the 26th round. So grabbing him as a free agent and then getting almost the perfect signing spot for him, that's got to feel good for the manager who did that. Uh, as like a regular fantasy player, do you like picking guys that are free agents? Because Carlos Correa in our draft lasted until the 53rd overall. So that means I really had three chances at him and I didn't take any and I definitely liked him. I would say he was in my top handful, but I was hesitant because I still don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I think he's going to do excellent wherever he ends up. But I guess the fact that that is still unknown works slightly against his profile in my mind because I didn't pick him. Yeah, I think there is certainly some hesitance with free agents. It really, I think it's a player by player case. Uh, case. Um, you know, I feel like a guy like Freddie Freeman, I, I don't have any issue having him on my team. You know, it doesn't matter where he signs, in my opinion. He's a borderline Hall of Famer, so it doesn't really matter where he's playing. I think Nick Castellanos, you know, maybe that's a little scarier if he goes to a, a not-so-great hitting site like Miami. But knowing him, I think he's going to pick a hitter's park considering he got stuck in Detroit all those years. Um, I think, you know, some of the top pitchers you might be a little hesitant of, you know, we didn't know Stroman was a Cub when this draft was going on. Um, you know, what if he signed with the Orioles? What if he signed with the Rockies and he's in a bad pitching, the Reds? What if he's in right. a, a hitter's park? So Good there's point. definitely some added hesitance there. I don't 
I'm not sure if I drafted a single free agent now that I think about it. Um, one guy who I'm really concerned about personally is Yusei Kikuchi. Um, love him. I think he can still find another gear. Um, he went he went, didn't, yeah, he didn't went in the first round. He went in the same round that I took Taj Bradley, that Curtis Mead was picked, Spencer Strider. So some really big names there. Yusei Kikuchi was picked in that round, and I love him. I think if he gets the right uh, spot, if he gets you know signs with the Rays, signs with a team like that the Dodgers um that he'd be incredible <clears throat> excuse me incredible value there but also we don't know where he's going to sign he could sign at a hitter's park the Orioles you know the Rockies the Reds a team you don't want to be on or I mean there's a chance he could just return back to the the league he was playing in before Major League Baseball and now you just have to uh took a guy in the 21st round who won't even be on your roster uh you know like um Masahiro Tanaka did, uh, I want to say two years ago, where he, you know, went back and le left Major League Baseball. I'm not saying that it's going to happen with Yusei Kikuchi, but I did read on Twitter that that is one of the options that is on the table. So it's, definitely gave me some hesitance. I remember reading about uh, it, if they institute a salary floor, you mentioned the Orioles for Kikuchi. I would, if, if there has to be a floor, I would bet that he would become their top priority so you're right there's a lot of swing on his situation and how it ends up so there could be some risk taking him in the 21st round and there could be some some great value uh in 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 the 21st i took probably the minor league player that i think i would be the most frustrated if they ended up on another team another yankee ironically that's the catcher, Antonio Gomez. So looking at the minor league part of your team, are you satisfied with them overall? Or, you know, I guess Ellie was probably like maybe like your number one target. But, are, you know, do, do you were there guys that you missed out on or guys that you uh, are very happy to get or notice were, were good values? Like what's your – take on your the minors part of your squad yeah I mean overall I really like the uh, farm system I put together especially with uh when coupled with the fact that in the first 10 rounds I was not focusing on prospects I still ended up with Marcelo Meyer Francisco Alvarez Jose Barrero Yuri Perez Trey Sweeney Ali Dela Cruz Ian Seymour Taj Bradley Landon Knack that's just the top 10 I draft and then there's also Jay Allen um so uh, Seth Johnson, Cooper Kinney, Carson Williams. So a lot of guys I really like. And, um, you know, I missed out on some of the guys I, I do like, like uh, you took Kobe Mayo and Gunnar Henderson. Uh, Adley Rutschman went earlier than I was going to take him. So uh, I didn't get every prospect I liked, but nobody in this drafted. So overall, definitely very happy with the group I put together. And there was one prospect, I need to look it up, that was taken – towards the end of the draft and I was like yeah okay here it is in the 59th round I'm so mad about this pick it was the Lakeland Flying Tigers and they took Justice Thompson a Daytona Tortuga he's another one of these guys with Alan Serta, Ellie Dela Cruz, Jay Allen who I think are just underrated by everybody and for some reason I feel like at some point Justice Thompson was in my queue I don't know why he wasn't but I took Luke and Baker in that same round ahead of Thompson if, 
And if I had realized that uh, Thompson was on the board, I would not have taken Baker, uh, especially considering my pick before that was Yasniel Diaz, who I also would not have taken had of Justice Thompson. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, with the 1,164th pick, I could make right. the take. That's the second to last round. But, you know, it's possible. I think Justice Thompson really uh, turned into something special. Uh, so a little disappointed that I kind of messed that one up. But uh, savvy pick by uh, the Lakeland Flying Tigers. So, you know. You can make a smart move early. And you can make a smart move extremely late. Yep. So, right. No reason to not give credit to somebody for doing that. And if you really wanted Justice Thompson, you know, we're in round 59. <laughs> yep. Pick 1164. So you have more than several uh, opportunities to do it before. But there's always uh, there's always trades and there's always, always players uh, dropped. I did notice when I was looking back that you took Yusniel uh, Diaz late. Yep. I guess uh, that means you – you. I mean, it's it's the 58th out of 60. So does that mean that you have given up on him and just wanted to, like, breathe some life into him or you haven't given up on him entirely? <laughs> That's a great question because I don't, I don't even know my full thought process about picking Yasniel Diaz. I don't – because I don't – this is not something I would condone doing. Um, I am mostly out on him. I just feel like the injuries have um, just over overstepped his talent at this point. But at the end of the day, he does have pedigree. It's the 1,159th pick. Uh, there's, you know, I was looking through the available player list. There was no one else I really liked more except Justice Thompson, who I totally forgot to add to my queue. But, yeah, I mean, you know, if Yasniel Diaz manages to stay healthy for a full season, that would be huge. Uh, will that happen? That is a uh, something that we'll have to ponder about because, you know, who knows? But, you know, not a lot of options at that late in the draft, so might as well take a guy. I had to take a prospect based off the way I was doing it because I didn't really have room for another major leaguer, which is why my second-to-last pick was Luke and Baker. Um a somewhat intriguing first baseman from the Cardinals. He's a power guy with not much else. Um, and then to finish it off, my final pick, second to last pick in the draft, uh, 100, sorry, 1,199th overall. I took Willie Vasquez from the Rays. Oh, um, I know him. Yeah, he, uh, so that's my 20th Ray I drafted. Uh, sorry, <laughs> no, that was the 12th Ray I drafted. So that puts my team at 20% Rays. Which is, of course, very on brand. Uh, I actually didn't like much about Vasquez during the season. I did not see him play. Not a name I, I was following. Um, but Baseball America. He's good. He got moved up. Yeah, Baseball America wrote about him. I'm like, this is pretty intriguing. It's the second to last pick in the entire draft. I might as well take him. And I know, I know you've seen him play for the FCL Rays. So I was like, yeah, why not? Right, right. I like him. He's big and he can hit and he can run a little bit too. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking back at the minors players I got and I really had like uh, kind of like a core plan to get a lot of shortstops. And I'm so happy with the, the group that I have. Brainer Bonacci, Kiani Cavaco, Carlos Comenares, 
Gunnar Henderson, Jeremiah Jackson, Greg Jones, Bryson Stott, Ezekiel Tovar, Alex Vargas, Mason Wynn. I mean, that's that's kind of like exactly what I wanted to get out of the draft was a lot of I mean, if I could pick any any more, I would pick like the F the low A Southeast guys that are going to play in Bradenton that I could see. But I really just wanted guys that I already have seen and have already proven so so much to me. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's really like a commendable strategy or a worthwhile strategy, but it's just how I wanted my roster to end up. So I guess looking back, my team might not be so competitive. I guess that's to be determined, but I do have a lot of shortstops for 2024 through like 2026. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's a commendable strategy. Just, uh, you know, the main goal I would say in dynasty baseball is just to have fun. Um, and, you know, if getting your guys is how you, you know, that's the main way to have fun, root for players who you personally like. Um, and that's definitely the strategy I took. I took all mainly guys who I like. There was only like really like two or three who are, I took because I was like, OK, I feel like this is good value, even if this is not a player I'm in love with. I took Ryan Weathers past pick 500. I thought that that was good value. There were some I guys do. I like more than Weathers who were available who I missed out on because I took Weathers where I did. But. You know, I felt like he could uh, return really good value there. And then I think to close this out, I just want a magnifying glass on a six-pick cluster in round 48. Back-to-back-to-back-to-back, uh, back to back to back, we got Ford Proctor, Alejandro P.A., Noah Song, Steven Acevedo, Griffin Conine, and Cody Morissette. You know, that's in the mid-900s. So this is, like, really deep into the draft. It's uh, six prospects and I feel like that's six really interesting names to just look at all in a row um, I'll start with the first guy in that group Ford Proctor um, he's done nothing but hit since he got drafted by the Rays um, I feel like Mike Brasso might be an interesting comp to him which you know okay. um, obviously Brasso did not fully pan out for the race he ended up getting traded for Calvin Foucher, I believe, who I, who I actually drafted. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Ford Proctor was originally a shortstop, and now he's trying out catcher. And I think, obviously, that would certainly help out his chances of getting playing time if he's able to stick behind the dish. Uh, and then the next pick, another Ray, uh, much different style, much younger. Uh, you were not happy with this pick at all, Alejandro P.A., this is the one that your boy Jake stole from me, and yeah. I've seen him play too, and he's so good. So, yeah. Jake, great pick. I really hate you, and trade him <laughs> to me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, there was a time I had him on, like, I want to say three out of four of my teams or four out of five or something, and I think I've actually traded him once or twice this offseason, not because I necessarily wanted to, but because I thought I got good deals on him. Um, I think he'll still end up being a good player. It's just – there's a long way to go just because yes. his debut was not the best. Um, and then the next pick, Noah Song. He's not even playing yet. He, uh, right? He's, he's the guy who was, uh, he's in the military right now. Um, I was going to say, he's, I don't think he's on like actual eligible lists right. right now. So maybe, you know, he will in like a year or two be granted eligibility and then he'll pitch for the Red Sox and maybe he'll be good. 
but I think it's an interesting pick. I think that's a great time to pick him. You're picking him in the 48th round of a six-round draft. I think that's the perfect time to take him. Uh, but I do think, in general, it's a uh, it's an interesting prospect to roster just because you – I feel like you almost get tied to him in a sense. Like, if you're taking him – like, you know, last year he was, a, he was a guy who was in the first-year player draft class. And if you're taking him, his stock is not changing until something is decided about his military status because you're not going to get game results from him. It's not going to be like, wow, Noah Song's pitching really well. Let me trade him and get a major leaguer. Or, wow, he's pitching really poorly. He's not going to pan out. I need to drop him. Basically, I have to hold on to him until it's clear if he's going to even play or not because if you drop him, someone else is going to, you know, keep him on the team because – at some point, there will be decisions. So I think that's a really, uh, really so fun pick. And the very next pick is a guy I'm sure you're familiar with, Steven Acevedo, if I'm pronouncing that right. You are, and I am. Yes. So an Oriole pitcher, or sorry, outfielder. Um, that's a nice pick. And then the two picks after stood out to me, two Marlins, Griffin Conine and Cody Morissette, uh, two guys who, when they were picked, they were in my queue. Um, ended up taking TJ Antone a couple picks after they went. But Conine's interesting because he was objectively pretty good in 2021, I would say. I know the strikeout rate above 40%, not good. Um, but leading uh, almost – did he lead minor league baseball in home runs? He was really close to it, right? I, I think he was the most. I think right. he was 29. He hit a lot. Uh, and then he was not protected in the Rule 5 draft. So who knows if he'll even be a Marlin after the lockout. You know, they're going to have the Rule 5 draft. Uh, his profile is not one that, you know, I feel like usually is drafted in the Rule 5 draft because, you know, Mason Martin is pretty similar guy who's also available in the Rule 5 draft. So it's going to be interesting to see if Martin or Conine gets picked. But Overall, I like Conine. I was a little surprised that the Marlins did not protect him, but that tells me they don't expect him to get picked. And then to close it out, Cody Morissette, uh, you know, I saw him play a couple times. He's a Marlin, Jupiter Hammerhead. And uh, the power, that's the big question mark uh, with guys like him. Uh, You know, another guy in the system, Jose Devers, who didn't even get drafted in this draft. You know, you know, uh, they got good speed, good contact ability, and good defense. But to be a good fantasy baseball asset, I think you need to have some power. So I like Cody Morrison. I'll probably be targeting him in my first-year player drafts in about a month or two. Uh, so overall, I like this pick. But just going to be interesting to see if he grows into some power. That was a good cluster of players to look at, especially in a, like a random round so close to the end. And I guess my observation from it is I like that Oriole prospects that aren't in their top five or eight or 13 or 15 are still getting picked, including Acevedo and me doing my part in that round, taking uh, the uh, pitcher Carter Baumler, who's had Tommy John, so he hasn't pitched in the pros yet. I expect this year to be uh, – him versus the low minors, I think he's going to do uh, very, very, very well in advance, kind of fast. So as an Orioles fan, it's just a, a great sign that uh, guys are being picked uh, late. Absolutely. And uh, there are so, so many other names 
uh, that I could, you know. Davis Tavares, round 49. Yep. There's like, uh, there's a lot, a lot of guys who I'm just looking at my screen right now, round, uh, round by round. TJ Friedel, really late. Gerard Encarnacion, Evan Longoria getting picked in the 55th round. Uh, so there's a lot of guys that I could shout out because um, I feel like, you know, people were finding good value late in the draft. And of course, you know, early in the draft too. So overall, I had a lot of fun with this. It's, you know, the draft spanned over a month and now it's a dynasty league. So we'll be playing for years to come. So it'll be interesting to see which teams going forward turn out to produce good numbers. And um, yeah, any parting thoughts, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I also think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I look forward to guys that are uh, owners of the league, depend, you know, d- coming on and discussing and defending some of their uh, their picks and strategies. And back to San Diego, you know, we're, we're, we're assuming, I guess by saying it on the air, that he's not going to be competitive. But, <laughs> it, it, you know, th- this year, like right away to start. But it really, he does not have like a bad mix at all. So it would not surprise me if he's at least not in the the bottom tier. And I guess if you're in the middle of 20 and other guys get hurt and maybe a couple of your guys play over their head or go on some streaks. So his it, right right away, just starting out from from my perspective, because I, I I I do it for prospects more than winning now. It looks to me that wow, AJ Puck for him in the 33rd. It really looks to me like like he has the roster that um if I'm jealous of a roster, it's his. So we'll see like over the years how how our strategies and how that strategies work out. That's that looks like the one initially that I like the most. Hundred percent. He definitely took a unique path and approach to this draft. And I agree with you. I think it could turn out to be a really good thing that he did. So we'll see. And um, yeah, so that about does it for this episode. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with some more baseball talk. <laughs>